Today is a great day at WCC as we are learning that we are saved to be family. Pastor Scott is in the book of Acts chapter 2. And stick around after the message to hear from some of our fellow family members here at WCC as they publicly declare their faith through baptism. Good morning, church family. Good morning. It's good to be with you. And I mentioned the word family because that is what we are. We've got to consider that, that we are church family. Today I want to share with you as we consider family, I want to talk about the family that God has designed. When God sent his son Jesus, part of the mission was to save sinners like you and me. I'm in line, I'm in that center line. Raise your hand if you know you were in the center line, all right? We were born that way. And God said, okay, I came in part to save you. That was part of my job. Jesus also, then he comes for the forgiveness of sins. He says, you know what, I know every single one of you have a sin problem. I've come to forgive that. And this is what God does. But one of the reasons Jesus came to save through the work of Jesus is so that we would be saved to be family. Would you write this down and consider this with me today? That we are saved to be family. Saved to be family. In fact, I'd like you to repeat this phrase after me. I need God's family. This would be a phrase I want you to write down. I want you to consider this is that you were created in part to need the family of God. And by family of God, I'm not just talking all humanity and yes, God loves all of us and there's this kind of earthly family, but there is a spiritual family that God has been forming and we need this. We need to be a part of this, but we actually need it. This is the way that God has made this. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me today to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be on page 909 if you want to use the Bible sitting in front of you. And if you do not have your own Bible, take the one sitting in front of you, put your name in it, and then take that as a gift from us today because we believe that you need this truth in your life. Well, in Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> we read this last week that a man named Peter, he was one of Jesus' 12 closest disciples, followed Jesus for three years before he was crucified. In Acts chapter 2, Peter has seen Jesus crucified. He's seen him raised to life. He's seen him ascend to heaven. And in Acts chapter 2 that we looked at last week, Peter gave this empowered sermon. We looked at that sermon last week. I want to look at the end of that. I want to rewind just a bit to last week. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Let's catch up a little bit where what Peter had said last week. Said to a group of people, he said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, he was speaking about Jesus, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Man, I like Peter. He just gets in your face. I, I mean, that, that's difficult at times to get in somebody's face. Peter has no problem getting in somebody's face. Gets there and says, you people, 50 days ago, many of you were in the crowd chanting, crucify him. That was you. It was our sins. We, you put him on there. You crucified him. Ouch. That hurt. Verse 37. Now, when the people heard this, it says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now that's a great question. 
Whenever you read the Word of God, whenever you're in a service like this, you should ask, what does this mean to me? Not just, oh, that was nice, what's for lunch? But you should ask, what shall we do with this? What, what was just said? This was a great question. Peter said this, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. In other words, you need to have a change of mind which will affect your actions, which will affect your belief, but you need to change your mind on who this Jesus is. He wasn't just a nice guy who taught and cured some diseases and things like this. You need to change your mind. He is the one from God. He is the Lord of all creation. He's the Savior of all your sins. You need to turn to him, repent, change your thinking of him. And you need to be baptized. Again, we're going to see this at the end of our service today. You need to be baptized. You need to identify with Jesus. In other words, what he's saying. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is part of the package deal. You change your opinion about who Jesus is. You understand. You believe in him. You receive the life that he offers. You identify with him. And you get this amazing gift called the Spirit of God. Verse 39, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone. Repeat after me, everyone. Say, that includes me, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40, and with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word, they were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'm thinking, man, that would have taken most of the afternoon that day. Okay, I'm kind of grateful that I think we have eight baptisms. That's a great number and we can get done and we can make it home for lunch. You know, that kind of thing. 3,000 that day. But it says they received. This is how they were to save themselves. Receive what God has for you. Receive this truth. Receive this life change. Receive this Jesus into your hearts. This is how you save yourself. That's what we looked at last week. Today, verse 42. Follow along as I read a few verses. Finish off chapter 2. They, that is the Jesus followers, ones who had been included into God's family, and they, verse 42, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then catch this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, we're going to walk through this passage today, verses 42 through 47, and see what that means for us. But let me start by asking a few questions, because I hear a family starting here. And I started asking this question as I was preparing this message, what makes for a great family? It's a good question for you to ask. Maybe it's a good question to have around the dinner table. What makes for a great family? 
Or what does a great family look like? Fortunately for us, we've had television to show us what great families look like, right? This has helped answer the question. So those of you who watch TVs in the 50s, or now I guess you could watch it probably on Netflix, Ward and June Cleaver and their kids were who? Wally and Beaver, leave it to Beaver, yeah. Raise your hand if you watched that show growing up. All right, man, you're old. <laughs> so am I. I'm not that old. I didn't watch that one. I watched this next one. There was this next group, Mike and Carol uh, Brady and their bunch, right? Now raise your hand if you watched that one. All right, yeah, okay, okay. So that, yeah, that was me. We saw some of those. Those were good. And uh, then the next one we want to consider is... Um, Who's the next one? Oh, yeah, the Cunninghams. I always forget the Cunninghams because I wasn't allowed to watch the Cunninghams on happy days. I mean, because the Fonz, I mean, he's this womanizing guy, you know, and always. But, you know, I was thinking about this, the Cunninghams, what a great family. They bring in this little guy, Arthur Fonzarelli, into his home, and, and they just bless this guy, right? I mean, it's actually a good story. So I don't know why I couldn't watch it as a 12-year-old, but maybe I do. I don't know. Huxtables, remember this one? Raise your hand if you saw the Huxtables. All right, good. Claire and Heathcliff Huxtable. And then uh, the Tanner family. You know, I'm looking at my kid in the front row like, who are these people? What about the Tanners? You know the Tanner family? Okay, all right. So, okay. <laughs> like, who are they? You'll have to, I don't want you to watch much TV, but I mean, there's some, yeah, these are good families. What, what makes for a great family? I started thinking about these families. I started thinking about my family, the family I grew up in. What makes for a great family? Great question to ask at lunch today. But I started coming up with a list. I thought the extension of grace. Somebody in the family makes a mistake, the extension of grace and forgiveness. Amen. That's a good one in the family to have. I thought another great thought is the investing in the family. That we, we all play our part. We invest in, I'll do this role, I'll do this role. At our house, I unload the dishwasher. Angela loads the dishwasher, partly because I can't load it the right way, I guess. But anyway, I unload it. That's part of my investment in the family. She loads it. We all have different roles in the family. Uh, that makes for a great family. And then I thought about developing the next generation. The job of the parents to speak to, to teach the next generation. That, that makes for a great family. And as I was looking at all these descriptions, I thought a couple words came to mind. I'd like you to consider them today. And it's the words committed love. Committed love. I thought, okay, a good family, a, a great family has committed love. Committed to the family. Okay, I will commit to continue to clean out the cat litter box. I'm committed to the family. I'm committed to the values of the family. I'll commit to this. I'll commit to my kids. I'll commit to my spouse. That makes for a great family when there is committed love. Not just love when things are going well, but a committed love. As I'm looking at this list, I thought these are pictures of God himself extending grace, amen, investing in the family. He says, you know what? You can't save yourself. I'm going to get my son to leave his throne in heaven. You'll celebrate his birth December 25th, and then I'm going to have him go and pay for you. That's my part of investing in the family. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of God, and I'm going to develop you so that you can continue to develop. I have, God says, committed love for you. I'm like, okay, yeah, God, this is the ideal family. Now go back to verse 42, if you would. 
Let's get a picture of this early church family. It says this, and they, this new family who had been changed by their committed heavenly father, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. As I'm looking at this, God has always had a plan to save because God has always had a committed love. This is who he is. God is love. And he's had a committed love for us. If you go back, you don't have to turn there in your Bibles, write this down. Genesis chapter 12, early on we see God having a promise. And he says this to a man named Abraham who has a wife, Sarah, and they don't have any kids, and they're getting really old. But God says, I'm going to bless you, your kids. I'm going to bless all nations through your family. God was always thinking about a family. God was always thinking about his committed love. In fact, I'd like you to write this down, that this family we're looking at, which we're also going to call the church, is a family of unending commitment. God's family is meant to be a family of unending commitment toward each other. The church is meant to be a family of unending commitment. Though when I wrote those words down, unending commitment, I thought, man, that sounds like a long time, right? And I thought, man, that seems daunting at times, unending commitment. And right away then I thought, how much longer do I, have I made a contract with the cable company? All right, I thought it feels like an unending commitment. Or I think about my cell phone. It's like, at what point will that be done? Fortunately, I don't have a car payment, but I thought of some of you, and I thought sometimes it just feels like an unending commitment, doesn't it? Unending, unending commitment can seem like a long time. But then I thought, wait a second. What I have for my kids is unending commitment. Oh, yeah, that's a great phrase. I have that for my kids. They mess up unending commitment. I love them. I remind them at times, when I say I love you, it doesn't mean I just have nice feelings for you. Sometimes I do. But I have an unending commitment to you. I really do. To my wife, I say I have an unending commitment. Now, granted, I fail my wife and I fail my kids at times, but this is where my heart is that I would have an unending commitment to you because God has had that for me. And if you're a parent, you understand that. You say, wait a second, I, I have that. I have that for my kids. I want the best for them. Oh, if I just only loved them when they were good, that commitment would be gone by now. But this is an unending commitment. This is what God has. And God's family, the church, is a family of unending commitment to God and to each other. This is because, why? Our Heavenly Father has this unending commitment. But this is the church. And I thought, you know what? We sometimes get church uh, labeled wrong. We sometimes mess this up. This family we're talking about, this is the church. Sometimes we think that church is this building, right? I imagine some of you even this morning said, hurry up. We're late for Church, like we're late for the program. Church is not a program. Some of you said, hurry up, we got to get into the church. Sometimes you think it's a building. It's not. It's not. Sometimes you think, you know what, hurry up, and in another hour, church will be over. Yeah, this service will be over, but that's not what church is. It's a family. You see on your notes this phrase, I'd like you to look at this with me. Church is not a place to be. It's not. It's not a product to consume. 
say, good, we're done. He didn't speak too long. We can make it before the rest of the community makes it out to lunch. Here's what church is. It's the family of God with whom we coexist. So every once in a while, I see a nice building in town, and I say, that is a nice church building. It's not a church. It's just a building. We're a family gathers. I say things like, we got to go to worship God with our church family. And the way we talk then matters. So go back to verse 42. They, this new church family, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I want to share three thoughts with you as I look at just this one verse about God's family and our commitment level. First one is this, that God's family is committed to life-giving truth. Would you write this down and consider this with me for a moment? The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There were these 12 people who had been with Jesus, 12 people who had seen Jesus closely, and they got together and said, tell us what Jesus said. Tell us the heart of Jesus. Show us the ways of Jesus. Show us how all of this thing actually points to Jesus. Show us what Jesus does in our lives. And they devoted themselves to this. They said, you've got to teach us this. They were devoted to this. Because there's a truth that shines in the darkness. And every one of us experienced darkness. Some of you walked in this room today with a dark heart, a dark mind. You came in. We all live at this, whether it's for moments or days or seasons. There's darkness. And this is where the truth shines. The truth shines in this darkness. You have to be devoted to this. You have to be committed to this life-giving truth. You have to show up, yes, on Sundays and say, teach me, but this isn't enough. You've got to grab this Bible and open it up throughout the week and say, God, teach me. We put some passages on the back of your notes. Read those this week, talking about what a church family looks like. And ask God before you read that, say, God, teach me. This family is committed to life-giving truth. And unless we learn the truth, we settle for lies, right? Unless we preach the truth to ourselves and to others, we fall into the trap of lies. You have to preach this truth to yourselves. You have to preach, wait a second, God calls me to receive grace and extend grace. I need to know that truth. I need to keep receiving grace and extending grace. I need to know this truth that God calls me to be a growing person and a healthy person in all aspects of life. This is what God wants for me. This is what God is developing in me. I need to remind myself that God has made me for relationships, that I need them and I need to be a part of them. It's this truth. It's the light in the darkness. This idea that I am to work wherever I work for the boss that's a knucklehead. I'm to work not for him, but for Jesus himself and give my best effort. I am to pursue excellence that way. It's truth. This is the truth. In dark times, you need this. I need to serve. I need to offer my life as a living sacrifice to God. This is the truth. They were devoted to hearing it and devoted to living it. You and I, we need to be committed to this life-giving truth. Second, go to, back to verse 42. Let me read some more and share another thought with you. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Teach us, teach us. And to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, watch this. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common. Didn't mean they necessarily agreed on the best kind of hummus, all right? But they had all things in common in the biggest picture. It goes on to say this in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings. Now, they had them, but they said, you know what? I'll, I can sell some of this. I can share some of this. Distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Write this down, if you would. The God's family is committed to life together. This is what we read in this passage. God's family is committed to life together. If you just think that churches come in and endure something or try to find some good songs or a little bit of helpful teaching and it's just for 90 minutes a week, you're missing what the idea of church family is. If you think that coming into this building necessarily is going to change you, you're missing it. You've got to be committed to life-giving teaching, but you've got to be committed also to life together. This is the way God made us. About a little over 10 years ago, I started pastoring here in this community, and there was another pastor in town who started, and we got together and hung out, and I told him, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And he said to me, I don't know what I'm doing either. And so I said, I, I think I'm going to need you as a brother in this, though I've never known you before now. And he goes, I think I'm going to need you as a brother too. And he gave me this phrase, and he said this, write it down, together is better. Repeat it after me, together is better. And there have been days where I've sent him a note on a Sunday morning and say, preach the word, brother. Today's a great day with the family of God. And he said, that's exactly what I needed because I was empty this morning. And there have been days where I said, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's encouraged me and said, stay in the fight, brother. Stay in it. Together is better. Together is better. This is the way God designed family. This man has been a blessing to me, and I think I've been a blessing to him. I know that I have. I was thinking about this. One of my favorite hobbies to do is the weather gets nicer here this summer. In my backyard, I have a little rusty fire pit, and I like to gather together some people and sometimes just by myself and have little campfires back there. You know, and this is what I call camping. So when my wife says, let's go camping, I'm like, let's go in the backyard for two hours and and then I call that camping. But what, I, what we do is we, we build these little fires back there. And here's what I know, that when a log starts to burn out and when the fire goes dim, that means it's time for another log on the fire. I put another one. You're dying out. That's all right, little buddy. I got a new one here. He's ready to burn like crazy. And this guy, he starts burning out. And I'm like, oh, I got another one for you. Oh, this one's special. This one's cedar. This one's oak. And he'll last a long time. And, you know, this one was part of my, uh, the siding on the garage here. And anyway, but, and I put them together and they make a big fire. And at the end of the night when I try to put out the fire, there are a couple options. One, I can get out the hose and extinguish them. But simply what I usually do is just with a little poker, separate them. I put one over here, one over there, one over there. And guess what? They just die out. On their own, they die out. Together, they're better. On their own, they're just like, we're dying. I'm like, that's what, you, that's what I need. That's what I need. 
Same thing happens for you and me, right? This is the way God designed us. And if we're committed to life together, woo, we make a nice fire. And the enemy, all he wants to do is take a little poker stick and go, ah, I just want to put you all by yourself for a little bit. I want you to hide away, not just on Sundays, but I, I know that some of you are real introverted and people freak you out or whatever, you're shy, but I just want to put you over here. Because if I can get you all alone, you're going to burn out. Why do you think we have Saturday morning breakfast for men? I'll tell you, the food's good, but it's not about the breakfast. It's about the brothers. Oh, man, that was a great phrase. Thank you, Lord. That was a good one. We're going to have to. It's not about the breakfast. It's about the brothers. Show up on Saturday because you need brothers. You don't need breakfast, but it's good. We're going to start a women's Bible study. Why? You need each other. Yes, you need the word of God, but you need each other. Oh, man, I could go on this for a long time. I was thinking about the Apostle Peter here. We'll get back to it. The Apostle Peter, on his own, I thought about him, he struggled on his own. On his own, he denies Jesus. In fact, there's a little girl that says, don't you know Jesus? He's a scared, he's scared of the little girls. I don't know her. He denies Jesus three times in one night when he's on his own. But all of a sudden, you put the Holy Spirit in him, you surround him with 11 other brothers, you surround him with 120 other brothers and sisters, and he preaches an amazing sermon. He's killing it, and 3,000 people come to Christ. On his own, he was dead meat. What's that say about you? On your own, you're dead meat. And the church family has to be committed to life together. You and I, we need each other. We need each other. God designed the church, this spiritual family, to need each other, this partnership. You have a blessing, share it, all right? You have good things, share it. And when you have hurts, share that too, because we have blessings we can give to you. This is what we're called to do, to share, to share. And so God's family is committed to life together. Go back to verse 42. I want to share one last one with you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's the life together. To the breaking of bread, they're eating together. That's life together. And the prayers. And this is the one that stumped me a little bit. Because I thought, you know what? We like to learn. No one likes to be ignorant. We like to learn. And so you take some good notes and you read. Okay, that's good. And I think we like to share, generous people in this church willing to share. Sometimes you just share your garbage and your, your heartache, and that's good. You're sharing that too. But it says this, they were devoted to the prayers. And I'm looking at this, and I thought, okay, God's family is committed to the lifeline of prayer. Would you write this down? That God's family is also committed to the lifeline of prayer. Prayer is this intimate conversation with God. It's an intimate communication with God. And isn't this what all of us really want in life is intimacy? We want a place where we can be known and know and be loved and accepted. And God says this happens. And through prayer, you come and tell me everything and I'll still love you. You confess all your sins and I won't leave you. That's intimacy. This is what we want. This is what God offers. The healthy family 
prays together. Healthy Christ followers pray to God. They talk to Him. They listen to Him. I was reading this this week, and I was cut to the heart. I felt like God, as I was reading this, I felt like God said this to me. God said, Scott, here's what I want from you. I want you to pray with your church family more. All right, you do a nice job Thursday morning praying with those guys, and you have a little prayer group Sunday morning that all can come to, and you do that, and on Sundays you pray for people, but I want you to pray with them more. I want you in your conversations to spend time. God's cutting me to the heart on this. And then he said this. This was even tougher. He said, Scott, I want you to pray with your family more. Not just at lunchtime and at dinner time. I want you to pray with your family more. I'm like, wow. The church family is committed to this lifeline of prayer. God was showing me this is the lifeline to connect with God. God, today, thank you. I got life in my lungs. Okay, how do I live it? Would you bless me? Would you guide me? Would you correct me when I start going the wrong way? And I was, at, I was convicted that I don't use that lifeline like I'm supposed to. You see... Knowing God's truth is going to help us survive. And connecting with each other is going to help us to flourish. But the source of our spiritual life is found in connection with God. This is what Jesus said. So as I'm looking at this, then I thought, okay, God's family is committed to this lifeline of prayer. I'm pretty excited about how God's speaking to you on some of these things. I don't know how you're being cut to the heart. I know this one was for me. But then it goes on and says this. As God was committed to his family, as this family is committed to live for the family, go to the end of verse 47, and let's see how this ends. And it says, the Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added, as they were committed to the family, as they were locking arms with each other, the Lord's adding. People are saying, that's what I need. I need that knowledge. I need that family connection. I need that lifeline with Almighty God. How do I get in? Well, just join us and believe in Jesus and let's follow him together. And the Lord added. He added in quantity and he added in quality. He added the numbers of people, but he added the quality of our life. He grew these people in character. And as his family is committed to life-giving teaching and life together and the lifeline of prayer, God continues to grow his family. This is what he wants from us. He wants to grow us. Here's what I'm going to do as we get ready for baptism. Those that are getting ready for baptism, I think we're baptizing eight. And all those that are helping, I'd like you to go right out that door right now, please. Because I'm going to ask the rest of you three questions. And I've gone over these three questions with them or others have. And I want to ask you three questions as they're getting ready here this morning. <laughs> First question is this. Would you write this down and consider this with me? First question I want to ask you is this. Am I in the family? Am I in the family? 
The people being baptized today, when we sat down and asked them, they said, yes, I am in the family. I want you to write an answer to that, whether it's yes, I have trusted Jesus and I'm in the family, or maybe it's a no, or maybe it's an I don't know. That's fine, be honest. And I want you to know that the invitation is out there for every single one of you who write no or I don't know. That God says today, this is what life's about, to be a part of this family. Not to be in this building necessarily, but to be in this spiritual family. To receive simply the gift that God has for you. One of these kids being baptized today, I, I sat down with him this week and I said, I'd like to give you something. I'd like to do an exchange. What do you have in your pocket? I'll give you what's in my pocket if you give me what's in your pocket. I knew he's a kid. He doesn't have anything. And he pulls out of his pocket and he goes, I just have a wrapper. A Not much. I'm like, I'm willing to do an exchange with you. Your wrapper for what I've got. What I happen to have is a Dutch Brothers stamp card with 10 punches on it. All right? Do you know what this is? He didn't even know what it was. But his mom did. She's like, this is a great gift. You trade that in a heartbeat, kid. Come on, because you're going to win on that exchange. This is what God does for us. He says, give me what you got. And I know what you got. You got sin. You got mess. You got heartache. You got nothing. And I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you family connection. I'm going to give you hope and a purpose. I was like, kid, do you want to make the trade? Yeah, you bet. That same offers for us today. Not the Dutch Brothers. I don't have that many cards. But I got something better than that. If you want Dutch Brothers from me, you come up and we'll talk about that, all right? We'll talk about Jesus. I'll pray because I'm going to, I need to pray for you. And then I'll buy you Dutch Brothers. But that's the exchange. That's the exchange. Am I in the family? Am I in the family? That's the question you need to know before you leave this room today. Second question is this, what commitment will I make today to rely on God and my family? I want you to consider what God is asking you, he is asking you, to make a commitment to rely on him, to rely on his family. Some of you are like, oh, I don't like asking for help. Then you don't understand family. Because family relies on each other. Some of you might have to ask for money. Some of you might have to ask for prayer. Some of you might have to ask for help in great ways. I don't know. What is God saying to you? See, these people getting baptized today, how are they relying on God and the family? They're, by being baptized today, by identifying with the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, they're saying this, I'm relying on you. I'm part of your family, and I'm going to need your help in my life because I can't do it on my own. On my own, I just start to fizzle out. I'm going to need you. When I get cold, you get over here, and you help heat me up again. These people are saying today, even by their baptism, that they're relying on God and on you as their family. What does this look like for you? I'm excited to, I can't hear all the stories, but I'm excited about what God's going to show you. What's my commitment today to rely on God? Last question, what commitment will I make today to share with God and my family? Because as part of a family, you're called to share. Share your time, share your resources, share your expertise. 
I, I don't know. God has given you gifts. God has given you opportunities. And he's going to tell you today, yeah, that thing, share that thing. Share that thing. Yeah, give that one up. Yeah. Share that. Reach out. Speak up. Be generous and willing to share. These people today, they're going to share. They're going to share some of their stories. Some of these stories are emotional even. They're going to share that. They're going to risk maybe even crying in front of you. But they're sharing today. That's what family does. That's what family does. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And I, I, I'm going to give you some space to hear from God. But I want to pray and guide you in a prayer today too. So would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. And Father, you are Father. I thank you that you have not just included us to anything. You've included us into family. Brothers and sisters. Where we get to have the life of God ourselves. We get to have the victory in Jesus. So I thank you for that gift. God, I, I think of those in this room this morning who marked, yes, I'm in the family. I thank you that you have shown them the truth, that they have received the truth. And for those that said, I don't know or no, God, I ask that you'd show them today that you are offering them heaven. Everything you have for all the mess that they have. If they would simply receive and say, I believe. God, I thank you that you're working today to cause us to see how am I supposed to rely on my family? How am I supposed to share with my family? I thank, the, thank you that you've been cutting me to the heart this week. And you will come cut my brothers and sisters to the heart as well. So God, we ask that you continue to speak. Show us our role in this family. Because you've got a role for every single one of us. Church family, here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd like you to pray it out. Uh, in uh, the, You'd repeat after me, if you would. Let's pray this, if you believe this. God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he saved me. I believe that I'm in your family. Help me to rely on your truth. Help me to rely on my family. Help me to rely on you. Heavenly Father, this, these are our prayers. We are grateful for what you're doing, grateful for these people's stories that we are going to hear with the baptisms, grateful that you've included us into family. Continue to shape us. We love you. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, church family. We're up here back behind the drums.
we get to celebrate today. We are celebrating the baptism of three individuals this service, and one of them is Sean Hayrenen. And each one of them, you're going to hear a little bit of their story before we baptize them. Sean, would you please read your story? Hi, church family. My name is Sean Hayrenen. I came to know Jesus as a young boy at a Lutheran church. But as I grew up, I decided to go my own way and tried to do life by myself, which led down a rough path. In 2003, I got married to Susan, and she helped, me, helped steer me back to God. Then a couple of years ago, my mother-in-law, Kathleen Sumner, wanted me to help her find a new church since she was moving from Missouri. We came to WCC, and we fa have found a home. A little over a year ago, I heard Pastor Scott preach a series called Can't Do It Yourself. That helped me realize that I needed Jesus and his church. I couldn't do it myself. <clears throat> I am here today to publicly declare my belief in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I look forward to seeing all that God wants me to be. Amen. Go ahead. Yeah, that's worthy. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. So, Sean, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Because of your profession of faith. And we're going to place you into the water like you have been crucified and buried with Christ. And we are going to raise you again, just as Christ has been raised to the newness of life. Why don't you take off your glasses? And we'll, we'll sing. Here you go. Let's, right here. We want to remember right this. Here. There you go. There All go. right. Go ahead and hold your nose. Okay, grab my arm. Go ahead and bend down. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we've got a couple of little ladies coming down for baptism. Here we go. Ready? There. Beth, come on down. Here we have Julia Powell and Mama Beth. Julia, are you ready to read part of your story? All right, here, right here. My name is Julia Powell. About three years ago, I remember feeling scared. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't acknowledge him. I knew I needed help, and I couldn't do things alone. I talked with my mom and accepted Jesus into my heart. Before I trusted him, I didn't feel clean, and after I felt good that I trusted Jesus. I wanted to be baptized now because I am thinking about it for a while. It is very important to me, and I am happy about showing people that I want to trust Jesus. Mm, that's great. upon your profession of faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to place you into the water like you've been buried with Christ, and you're going to be raised to new life. Are you ready? All right, plug that nose. Hold on to my arm. Here you go, sir. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
got another Powell girl coming down to get baptized today. This is something we can celebrate today. Ellie Powell coming to get baptized. Ellie, you want to share your story with your church family today? My name is Ellie Powell. I remember one night when I was six, I was thinking about stuff and thought, I need Jesus. So I accepted him into my heart. My parents and teachers told me a lot about God. My life was empty before I had a relationship with him, and now it is full. The other night, I couldn't stop thinking about being baptized. It was about midnight, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to get up and go tell my parents that I wanted to get baptized. So today, I want to publicly display that I am a follower of Jesus, one of his disciples being baptized. Great. <laughs> All right, Ellie, have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Mm -hmm. Okay, then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm so excited to be here today. We have eight different people that will be getting baptized. And first, we have Mr. Aaron Withy. And each one of them is going to share a little bit of their story, how they got to this point. And so, Aaron, are you shivering or are you nervous? Kind of a little bit. You're doing great, buddy. All right. Go ahead and read your card. And we have uh, Aaron's dad with him right here. This is Mr. Dustin Withy. So. We got you, buddy. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my name is Aaron with he, my mom, and my mom and dad told me about Jesus, and I have accepted him into my heart. Jesus is someone who always has my back. If I make a mistake, he always, he'll always forgive me. The Ash Wednesday service really touched me. It opened a clear way from my heart to Christ. I want to get baptized today, today, to show that others have, to show others that I have Christ in my heart and and that He means a lot to me. All right. Yeah, let's celebrate that. All right. So, Aaron, you have trusted in Jesus' death on the cross for your sins and His resurrection for your eternal life. All right. So I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to put you into the water like you've been buried with Christ and raised with him out of the water to new life. Are you ready? Okay, so... All right, plug your nose. There you go. Step just like that. Here's my hand. Hold on tight. There you go. Take a seat. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, now we have a whole bunch of the Bartley family coming down, but we'll do one at a time. Okay. 
Here we have Mr. Scott Bartley, and he's going to share a bit of his story. So, my name is Scott Bartley. I have uh, believed in Jesus for most of my life, but I truly accepted him as my Savior about two years ago. There were many things that helped me to make this decision to follow Christ. My wife was an example for me uh, through her faith and trust in Jesus. I wanted our family to be Christ-like, and when our youngest daughter, Abby, joined our family, that brought us closer to him. I want to be baptized now as a recommitment of my life to Jesus. I want our family to grow closer to the Lord. That's why we're being baptized today. So, Scott, have you placed your faith in Jesus' death on the cross for your sins, his burial, and resurrection? I have. Yes. All right. So I'm going to be baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on over here, Marissa. You can catch him. <laughs> or not. Or, or push him more. <laughs> Grab my arm. There you go. Scott, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Marissa Bartley, I made a personal decision to receive Jesus as my savior in 1993. I started going to church with a co-worker. She was a huge role model to me in high school. Our family has been growing closer to God over this past year, and we are very excited to be baptized together today. Based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. It's not too cold in here. This is Caitlin Allen, and she's going to share a little bit of her story and come to know Jesus as her Savior today. My name is Caitlin Allen. I have been a follower of Christ for as long as I can remember. But at the beginning of this year, I was going through a rough stage in my life. And while I was on the Mexico trip with this church, my eyes were opened through my friends and my family of how much I need my own relationship with God and how much I want Him in my life. I want to get baptized now because I want to dedicate my life to Jesus our Savior, and because I've grown to trust him more now. Well, Caitlin, have you decided and trusted Jesus yes. as your Savior? Yes, I have. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. All right, then I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't this a great celebration today? <laughs> hey, now this is Emma Bartley. She's going to share some of her story. Okay. My name is Emma Bartley. Um, when I was in middle school, I decided to trust Jesus as my only Savior. I began to understand all the sacrifices Jesus made and torture he went through to save everyone, me, and even people who never choose to believe. I came to realize that things that have happened in my life were for a reason and part of my amazing plan that God has for each one of us. My mom and my dad have given, or have each given everything to God and have shown me how important it is to personally do the same. I want to be baptized today as a step 
to growing closer to God, I'm ready to be fully present in my relationship. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Emma, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yeah. Okay, based on that proclamation of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, then we have Skylar Bartley here as well to share his story of his faith. I'm Skylar Bartley. Three months ago. <laughs> Three months ago, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I was preparing to go on a Mexico mission trip and was praying every day with my parents and family. I have known God has been with me my whole life, and I baptized today to continue growing in understanding of that. Mm. Well, Skylar, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Okay, based on that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we got some, uh, some bests that are going to come down in the water. This is Sarah Best uh, and her dad, Jason Best, who's going to be here as we baptize Sarah today. Sarah, why don't you share some of your story? with our church family. Hi, my name is Sarah Best. I received Jesus into my life when I was about 11. Before I decided to trust Christ, I felt normal. I didn't think I was missing anything until one night I was stressing out over something that I was that was going on the next day. For the first time ever, I prayed by myself. I felt all the stress, fear, and anxiety lift off my shoulders. Ever since that, I have felt whole. I feel like someone is watching over me always. Something I didn't know was missing from my life, yet when I prayed, it filled my life more than I thought possible. I've always wanted to get baptized, and I'm turning 15 soon, and I really want to take my relationship with God more seriously. When I heard about the baptism ha happening, I felt like God was telling me it was my time. Mm. <laughs> well, Sarah, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. All right, based off your proclamation of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, and I get to be a part of this one. Let's have Sarah Shields come on in. Let's welcome Sarah. Share some of your story with us, please. So I'm Sarah Shields, and I accepted Christ back into my life when I was around 13. I grew up in a Christian home knowing God, but not really knowing God. I went through the motions. Before I had a close relationship with him, my life was a living nightmare, literally, full of stress, loss, always questioning who I was, and never feeling worthy enough of his forgiveness. But after seeking him wholeheartedly in my life, it changed literally in the blink of an eye. I gave him complete control of my life, and I quit trying to do things on my own. I finally came to a point of completely surrendering to the Lord and full of blessing, and I stand before you today, which is why I want to be baptized fully forgiven, because I'm a new creation in Christ. Mm. 
Based on your profession of faith, Sarah, my sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us today and looking into God's Word. Join us again next week as we continue our study.